Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Chris Lance. Chris is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization that provides the Sourcing Hero with its home. Chris joins me every month to tackle a current news story or topic of interest from his own point of view. So hi, Chris. Happy New Year, and thank you for being back. Happy New Year. Going to be an interesting one. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) We should, one of these days, if we really wanted to surprise everybody, we should record the conversation we have before and after the conversation (laughs) that we record. Um, But easy to say, there is a lot going on this year. And in (laughs) fact, this year, 2024, is the year of the dragon. So today what we're going to do is we're going to tackle three major news stories that are all related to China. They're an enormous force, both socially and economically on the world stage. And all three of these stories, while not necessarily directly related to each other, all certainly have things going on inside of them that procurement and supply chain professionals will want to have an eye on. You ready? Let's do it. All right. So We're starting with a big one, China's New Year's statement about unification with Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to a statement made by Chinese President Xi Jinping, and it's a little bolder in tone than what we've heard in years past. And the interesting that came across in this statement is that the government releases both a Chinese version and an English version to the media. Now, the quote, according to an article from Axios, in Chinese, but translated into English is, the unification of the motherland is a historical inevitability. While on the other hand, the officially provided English translation of that statement is, China will surely be reunified. Hmm. So I'm curious from your perspective, Chris, the difference between these statements, how seriously should we take them and maybe which should we look to for a more accurate sense of urgency? Yeah. So, so first of all, yeah, they're, I think they're extremely serious statements, but I, I do think it's interesting that there's the, the same statement has just slightly different wording because yes. for me in these situations, every single word matters. And so the fact that it was translated in such a way in the English version, I would argue, knowing how it will be disseminated, like, I think there's a, there's a message there. Um, So how seriously should it be taken? Extremely serious. I, for me, it's, I've always subscribed to the thought of like, when people show or tell you who they are or what they will do, it would behoove you to listen. So, so I don't, I don't think these are empty threats. I mean, especially if you look at the economic moves that they're making alone with their banks, uh, then you know this isn't a bluff. The, and I, I'll say it this way. I mean, the reality is, is if China moves on Taiwan, let's say this year, and we find ourselves involved in that conflict, supply chains will be disrupted like we have never seen. And I, I say that knowing and taking into consideration specifically the last five years. Um, I was reading, I forget who the article was, but 
the number I saw was that a China-Taiwan conflict would decimate the global economy to the tune of $10 trillion. Wow. And so then it's like, wow, so the economics are serious, but the reality is, is Taiwan is a critical player for both countries as well. Um, and then I, I think if you look, I mean, our economy is doing quite poorly right now. And if you can even wrap your mind around it, China's is even worse. Yeah. As, so look, what's the one thing that can save a country from economic troubles every single time? War. War, yes. War every single time. So if we look at history, I don't I don't think this is posturing at all. I, I think if we really take a step back, uh, wars aren't always hot. Has it already started? And so, again, I, I do think it's more than posturing. I think mm -hmm. that when the when the leader of such a powerhouse of a country is saying things like this, we have to we have to pay it mind. So, well, and sometimes it's interesting to put things into context, right? Like you say, okay, w did you say ten trillion dollars? Right, would be yes. the impact to the global economy, Chinese Taiwan conflict, right? So, here's where I think, okay, I mean, I'm almost, I'm terrible at math. So I'm almost like, okay, Rain Man's approach, like how much does a car cost, like a dollar? How much does a candy bar cost a dollar? So let me put this $10 trillion into context based on another story that's mm -hmm. big in the news right now, mm -hmm. which is of course, all of the attacks on freight vessels moving through the Red Sea right. to get to the Suez Canal. The Suez Canal every year, total freight that passes through it, $1 trillion. So you think of all those massive ships with the containers piled way up high mm. in a normal year, all of the ocean freight that passes through the Suez Canal, $1 trillion. So we're talking about 10 years worth of Suez Canal freight passage simply associated with one conflict. Wow. So, I mean, it just, it's like when people compare things to, well, how many football fields is that? Because right. measures can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, $10 trillion, it's, you almost might as well say bazillion, gazillion. Right. Like yeah. it's such a big number. Mm -hmm. We just simply don't want it to happen. Right. And of course we saw just a couple of weeks ago, Taiwan had their closely watched presidential election. Mm. The candidate that came out on top is one that's willing to take a uh, defensive posture against China, which is not what China wanted. Mm -mm. And so they've made additional public statements since this New Year's one mm -hmm. about what they think is going on in Taiwan. Um, and I mean, business knows this better than, than anybody. China is an enormous market, but the opportunity to play there is not free. And right. whether it's needing to get along with the government or giving up IP, the total cost of actually collaborating with or profiting from markets in China, that is not a simple trade-off decision to make. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Now, we talked about the New Year's Eve statement and then, of course, the elections. Now, if we stay in that same time window, this actually brings us to our second story, definitely related to China, but this time Taiwan's off the hook. So just one day after President Xi made his statement about reunification, you can pick whichever tone of translated <laughs> statement you like, a man named Jimmy Lai pled not guilty to national security crimes in his trial in Hong Kong. So if people haven't heard or, or read about Jimmy Lai, he's a pro-democracy businessman who founded the Apple Daily. Mm -hmm. 
And that was a newspaper based in Hong Kong that was advocating for free speech as China moved in to increase their control of the island. Mm. And it, you know, you say, okay, what do you need to do to get access to a market or what form of government does another country want? It is so easy for us to forget sitting here in our comfy seats in the West, mm -hmm. how much we have that should not be taken for granted. Mm. So Lai says that he was participating in a lawful protest. China says he's a traitor. The paper has been shut down. So if that maybe tips the scales towards, okay, what kind of freedoms are actually being allowed? Right. From my perspective, I can sort of read the writing on the wall. And if I were in Taiwan, I would be following what's going on in, in Hong Kong closely. Mm. Um, what sort of signal do you think this sends to the world about some of the byproducts of collaborating with China? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, well, I'll say it this way. There's, it's real no secret how, how China, I don't want to, it's not even also always how China suppresses information. It's how it's, I like how you said it controlled or throttled or spun. So, you know, four years ago, I, I would have probably said that this makes sense, you know, about all this being specific to China. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think it's more of a reminder of the freedoms we have in general and and how they're never how they're never more than like one generation away from not existing. So so for example, let me just shift the light off of China to the US and then I'll go right back. But there's a very similar dynamic going on. Um, there's I don't know if anybody knows the name, but he's uh, there's a journal a US journalist, Gonzalo Lira, um, who was killed in a Ukrainian prison for trying to expose what was going on over there. Um and in the process, while he was criticizing both U.S. and Ukrainian governments, um, they essentially said the same thing, that he was, um, I don't want to say a terrorist, but they were mm. essentially saying, hey, not OK with this. Put him in prison. Now he's now he's he's, he's not here. Um, and so I digress um, back to your question. China doesn't hide their level of suppression. And so I think these are very real, real considerations. Um, you know, I, I like how you framed it as like total cost of collaboration. Yeah. And so like when I when I think of, of like what that means, I think of it as the definition itself, right? Like what costs or what considerations, if you will, are going to be incurred reasonably, you know, reasonable, uh, I guess, cost incurred that are necessary. And so keyword being reasonable, like reasonably <laughs> necessary costs. And so yeah, I, I don't want to go too, too dark, too pivoting too much all over the place. But what I see are two superpowers jockeying for position. Um, and I think that what you're saying is is dead on. I think there are these are the types of elements that everyone should take into consideration, not even just businesses or not even just countries, but businesses as well. So. Yeah. Well, let's take another look mm -hmm. at the jockeying going on between superpowers. So when I think about China and certainly when you bring Taiwan into the mix, mm -hmm. I think there's one word that comes to mind for everybody, and that's semiconductors. Yes. And this isn't just for large mainframe computing or even the things we discuss about AI. This is your iron won't work without semiconductors. Your microwave won't work without semiconductors. Our entire world, most children's toys these days, beyond like classic balls and hula hoops, yeah. everything has these chips in them. And so you talked about 
the economic risk associated with the conflict, if if one should come to bear, between China and Taiwan. And certainly it's something that the U.S. has had their eyes on. And that's why back in 2022, the CHIPS Act became law as a means of reducing at least America's dependence on Taiwan for semiconductor fab capacity. Mm. But, you know best laid intentions, right? Mm -hmm. There have been a whole string of setbacks and delays. And unfortunately, we're really no closer to being independent around semiconductors than we were when this started. Manufacturers, really big names, Samsung and Intel, even TSMC or, or Taiwan Semi, all of whom had planned projects in the United States, have delayed them in some cases because there were disagreements about funding in other cases because they couldn't get the labor that they needed to build the factories or because there were disagreements with the federal government around environmental restrictions and and regulations and how that would impact location and construction projects. But even demand comes into this. Mm -hmm. In some cases, we still have all of that glut of inventory that was in the system and inventory levels are kind of okay. And so businesses do what they do. They go focus on something else. And so the urgency, back to that word, has come down. You and I both love following the news. Hopefully that comes across in these in these conversations. And we both have our opinions about our rights and freedoms, why we deserve them, what we're willing to do to keep them. Um, and we certainly appreciate the fact that we have them. But sometimes all of this just comes down to, can we get a product or material that we need to keep a business operational? Hmm. Are there things as a nation, as industries, as companies, as professional teams that we should be doing if we can prepare actively? Great. If we need to be watching things and that's the best we can do, let's do that. How should we all keep a presence of mind as we look at these headlines and then turn our heads or take a commute and go back to work and look to apply what we've noticed in our jobs. Well, so I, I you, you said a lot there, but I, I think, and I think you're right on, on all of it. Um, so I, as a nation, I, be, I believe I'll just say it. We are in dire straits. Um, we need, <laughs> We need mama. We need, we need to make America manufacture again. That's, that's what I'll say. <laughs> a fun <laughs> new acronym was flipping M in there, but ser seriously though, I, I, we, we are far too dependent on, on others, other, other countries, other, other regions. And I think we need, we need to bring those elements or those things, those things back to, to the U S um, to your point. I, I do think big changes need to be made and fast and maybe i'll say reverted is maybe even a better word of saying it but like you just outlined that's going to take time um and it's time i i personally don't think we have you know as a country not if we want to avoid crazy levels of disruption or costs or uh, essentially our way of life as we really understand it today um so I would argue, especially some of the names that you were mentioning, those are those are massive companies. Huge so I, companies. I, yeah, I would say you know companies like that, they they should have been preparing long ago. I mean, I think even you and I saw some of these things coming way down the pipeline. So these well-established organizations, uh, 
they should certainly have a pulse on these impacts too. And maybe they do, right? Um, all, all the things I really want to say that they're going to sound like an election campaign or something super <laughs> cringy, but, but the reality is, is we need to make America strong. Um, we need to put America first. I, I say that being American, but, but it, it's no secret. I think the world, even outside of just the economy, the world seems to do better with a strong America. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think everything you said, you, you absolutely nailed it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we can be doing and they're th they're not necessarily all new things either. It's kind of like that True. back to basics, if you will, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, usually as we wind these conversations, you know, we talk about heroism and I think we have an interesting opportunity today to do something a little bit different. So we talked about the fact that this is the year of the dragon. And I mean, anybody that's been shopping anywhere, you've probably seen very cool design things with, with sort of that visual on them. But I was curious. So what is the cultural association or meaning that goes with dragon. So I looked it up and what I found is that in Chinese culture, the dragon represents good luck, it represents strength, and it represents health. And based on everything that we've discussed today and loads of other things we couldn't possibly have time to get to, mm -hmm. my guess is that in 2024, we're going to need a balance of all three things to make it through the year successfully. Mm -hmm. Any advice, Chris, that you want to share either about how you would prioritize luck, strength, and health or where you're focused at the outset of the year uh, to hopefully at least make it through this one and find out what the next one has in store for us? Right. Well, well, I'll say I, I do hope all three of those things are on our side. Uh, <laughs> I certainly wish that for you and all, and all of our listeners. Um, hmm. So, so I've never been a a big believer in raw luck, you know, oh, I, good. Chris, yeah. I was so hoping you were going <laughs> to, I wouldn't I, have said anything if you'd said like, I put all my coins on luck, but, yeah. <laughs> but so I, I just believe in improving your chances through, you know, whether it's effort, prayer, practice, mm -hmm. consistency, but I, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, hope isn't a plan. So, yes. you know, you, you can't do much with that. Um, I will say health and strength. However, you can, um, I think physical and mental strength go hand in hand. So for those who haven't listened to kind of our, I think our tough times podcast, we yeah. kind of went into things you can do like wink, wink, cold showers. <laughs> but, um, but I guess what I'll say is if you're in a position to introduce yourself to adversity that you can handle on your terms, do it. Um, mm. I think you'll come out stronger for it. And again, with these themes we're touching on today and the ones we just don't have time for, uh, it just sounds like wisdom. Uh, cause yeah. No matter if you're weathering a storm or trying to rebuild after one uh, or preparing for one, right? Lear learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable will help with any journey. And I'll say it this way. I think I would argue it will help you uh, help give you the steam to create your own luck. How about that? Or, or improve your own chances. So. I think that's fantastic. And I would sort of be remiss if from my perspective, the first thing that comes to my mind is a little bit of Nietzsche. That which does not kill you makes you stronger. There it is. Um, and so I I also wish strength and health and a little bit of luck now and then uh, to everybody that's, that's listening in. Uh, mostly, I'm glad that you found us and you joined us to listen for the conversation. Chris, if people are just meeting you now, uh, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you if they want to discuss this conversation or just learn more? 
Well, I'm, I am on LinkedIn. I try to be pretty active on there. Um, so I'm just Chris with a K, Chris Lance on, on LinkedIn. Um, alternatively, you can go to our website. It's una.com. And if you go to About Us, you can see me out there with the wonder, wonderful people around me. Uh, those are usually the two best ways. But if you have like a really specific question or want to set up a time to connect and talk, you can email me at Chris, K-R-I-S at, at una.com. That's great, Chris. Let's do it again next month. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.